Yeah, I, I would definitely continue to write even if no one read it. There's no question I would continue to write. But I, I must say when someone who has read the book and loves it gets in touch with me and emails me and says they love it or they missed their bus stop or they were up all night, I love hearing those stories because it makes me feel like I've done something right. Welcome to In The Rising Podcast. My name is Bettina Brown, and this is the platform I've chosen to talk about living a life that's in alignment with your hopes, your dreams, and your goals. And one of the goals that many of us have, at least statistically, is to become an author, to become a writer, and have that be out for the world to enjoy. And of course, positive feedback and money from your craft is something desired, but the The actual ability to create something and then publish it is so vital for so many of us. It's one of the statistics that says almost nine in 10 of us wants to write a book or at least jokes around saying that we want to. Well, my guest today is a person who kind of accidentally started writing books, even though this was a passion of hers. This was a reading was a passion. And she shares her story with us today. I am thrilled literally and figuratively, (laughs) to speak with a supernatural thriller writer. Um, That was not intentional. I did not make that up. (laughs) It came out. Um, JP McLean or Joanne McLean, um, thank you so much for being on In the Rising podcast. It's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you, you are really what a lot of people and a lot of women hope to do one day and that is to be a writer to be an author and create something for the world to see um i i did read about you on your website and i love your stories and your background but what was this thing that kept you or started your love for for writing it started by it was a my first winter back on the coast in the wet wet north pacific northwest and I was not looking forward to it after having spent five years in the sunny South in your part of the world. And so as I was sitting there night after night, I decided to be productive. I would um, start writing a scene I had in my head that's based on a dream I have, just a recurring dream of flying. A lot of people have that dream. And so I started writing this one scene and um, discovered I loved writing. And I had never written fiction before. I'd always written reports and job descriptions and, um, you know, business type of writing. So never anything creative. And being able to ditch all of the formalities of business writing and take in this new form and enjoy it so much. I just started off with that one scene. I had no intention of writing a book. And so when that first book came out, it was because I started with that one scene and kept building it out until it became a book and surprised myself more than anyone else. And um, once I had written that first book, I had the bug and I really had a hard time putting those characters to bed and and had to keep writing. So I I wrote seven books in that first series in the end and and now have a, a new book and a new series that's just out. Wow. And so when you were writing that down, and being creative, because some people think they have to have all sorts of classes and courses. And were you, when you decided to continue from that scene on, what was, what was inspiring you? What kept you 
what kept you sitting there or was it really just the weather? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the first bit was definitely the weather, but what kept me sitting there was improving the story and improving the prose and learning how much I didn't know. And I enjoyed finding out about it. Like for example, um, one of the first things you have to decide when you're writing a story is what point of view you're going to tell the story from. And I hadn't given that an awful lot of thought before, but I had been reading some paranormal books. I, uh, when you use I in the prose, like I went to the door, I opened it, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, versus the third person, which is um, she went to the door or Bettina went to the door, you know, in a third person. So that learn, learning those kinds of things I enjoyed. I enjoyed taking online classes and workshops. I didn't fall into writing um, and fool myself into thinking that that first draft was a good draft. I knew it needed a lot of work. I needed to learn the craft of writing. And I'm still learning the craft of writing. It's not something that you get good at and then you stop learning. You you tighten your writing every time you uh, write something new. It's better. It's uh, you, you say more with fewer words you tighten it up that way, you find better ways of saying things, more concise ways of saying things, you use better verbs, you use better language to describe movement and emotion. And that um, is something that takes time to learn. And I enjoyed the learning process. So I, I enjoy playing with words, taking a sentence and, and turning, turning it around, you know, putting the subject first, putting the verb first, changing the way the paragraph looked, trying to to take words out, you know, taking as many words out as you could and still retain the the meaning mm-hmm. of the the passage. So that's what kept me going and kept me inspired. I, I guess I'm all I, you know, for me, learning has always been fun. It's been something I enjoy doing. So this was just the next thing that I enjoyed doing. Yeah. Now with, you know, you wrote that book and then you did seven in the series. <laughs> Where and and for some creatives, they're like, we're never done. We just stop. <laughs> we just stop. Where? What? Describe what type of books that you wrote and write. Where? Where are you with that? I love supernatural. So I I want my character to have some ability, telekinetic or telepathic or. Um, in the first series, it's a secret society of people who can fly. Um, in this latest one, she, uh, the character has um, lucid dreams where she's actually physically transported into the past, unbeknownst to her. They aren't, they're more than just dreams. She's actually in them. So I find that fascinating. I've always found that fascinating in books that I read. Uh, one of my earlier, earliest influences was um, John Wyndham's The Chrysalids. And in that book, it's a dystopian tale of um, a post-apocalyptic world where um, people who are born with any kind of genetic anomaly are eliminated or killed because they're trying to clean up the gene pool after that terrible event. And there's a young girl who um, they discover has this super ability to uh, uh, communicate with her mind with other people. And it's so powerful and so loud that it actually makes the other people in the village who can do that pause and it disrupts their their activity because they can't function when she's screaming in her head like that and Mm -hmm. I just um, love the idea that that could happen and um, and that's what I write about I love it and 
because I love anything supernatural <laughs> out of the world, anything different, as it is also an escape for the reader to go from day-to-day life, which is so important. Now, how would you say you have continued to rise or grow as a writer? What would you, if you were talking to JP McLean a few years back, what would you say, stick with this, work with that? What would you tell yourself or as a writer? I think one of the things that I would say is don't worry that you're going to run out of ideas because I was at first worried about that. And I, I kept a journal of all my ideas and I, I was very stingy about using those ideas because I was afraid I was going to run out of them. And what I've learned is that the more you write, the more ideas you have and the better your imagination becomes. It's like a muscle. And I didn't realize that is the more I use it, the better it becomes and the better the ideas are. So that's definitely something I would tell my younger self. The other thing I would tell my younger self is never to stop reading in the genre that you love because Mm -hmm. you get ideas, you, you learn, like you'll, you'll read a passage and you'll be moved by it and you want to know why. So you'll pull it apart until you find out what words they're using to get to the emotion that's making you cry or making you angry. And, and then you try to replicate that in your own work. Yeah. And when you're looking at what you've done now, so far as writing and creating, what sort of feedback do you feel fuels you to continue to write? Or do you feel like this is something I'm love, I love it. If no one read it, I would do it. Where, where do you, what, what drives you still? Yeah, I, I would definitely continue to write, even if no one read it. There's no question I would continue to write, but I, I must say when someone who has read the book and loves it, gets in touch with me and emails me and says they love it or they missed their bus stop or they were up all night. I love hearing those stories because it makes me feel like I've done something right. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't, I've, I've, you know, there's a, there's a, a contract between a writer and someone who, who buys your book, you know, they're, they may not be paying a lot of money, but they've made, they've passed over some money and they deserve to have a story told that they think is going to be told by the cover that you've chosen, by the words you've put on the back of the book. You've pulled them into your little world and now they better like what you've written or they don't not like it, but they better find that it's a solid read and it's entertaining and it was worth their time and worth their money. Cause that's a lot of time. It's like yeah. seven or eight hours. You're asking someone to invest in your, in your writing. And I think also um, I have not written something like you. I've produced one book and, it, and, and it's not even like something I'm trying to sell. Like, I, I think it was the point of writing the book, but what is now something that I can understand as a reader is the true value of time and effort that went in from a person to create the book in the first place. Um, Suddenly the books come alive in a different way, as opposed to it's just another book on the shelf or at Barnes and Nobles that the passion and dedication, like when you said, put the subject first, put the verb first, like those are great ideas, but that takes time. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and if you don't like it, <laughs> you're not going to do that. So I think that's, yeah. you're honoring the reader from before they even pick up the book is what yeah. I'm hearing from you. Yeah, it's important. It's important. They're the people that are buying the books and reading the books and feeding your ego or whatever it is that makes you say, okay, this is, this is worthwhile. It, it just mm-hmm. getting something like that, having someone say something that is nice about your work and encouraging about your work makes you want to sit down and write some more. Mm-hmm. It it's does. Very, 
It's It's very rewarding. Now I have another point and, and, and because I read your story and there's something else, like you were always a voracious reader, but you were raised in Toronto and then you moved around and you moved around. What, what was the reason for the moving? Uh, The move out to the coast was to go to university. So I, I, went to school at UBC, which is the British Columbia University in Vancouver. And then um, a couple of years after that, I met my husband and he, and this is one of the things that was hardest for me to do because I'd only been working about seven years after university when I met him and made the decision to quit work and do some traveling with him. And, you know, when you're raised to be independent like I was in my family. My grandmother was extremely independent and a single mom at a very young age. Um, In order to, like, you don't want to be the housewife. You don't want to be the one that's taken care of. And so it, it took a lot for me to give up my job, my university educated, good level, good high paying job and become the wife. (laughs) But I did. And um, what I learned was um, I kind of like the freedom of being able to do what I want to do. And I shed those expectations. They were expectations I had of myself, but also my family had of me and my friends had of me, you know, that you're going to have a big job, you're going to make big money. And instead, here I am traveling around with my husband and, and supporting him in his role rather than having a role of my own. But it led me to writing. And I would not have got to writing had I not gone through all that other stuff first. So the traveling was, um, we did a, a stint in Calgary, which is a very cold city in Canada. And then just for a winter, it's nice in the summer there. And then we uh, went down to, I keep getting mixed up whether we went to the Baja first, or we went to do the job in Mexico first. And then we did Tucson for three years. And it was after coming back from Tucson for three years that um, I started writing. And, and the reason why I was asking, because I'm, I'm a military kid and we moved right to Europe, we moved here. But I also feel, I read this, that um, the moon, the moon changes you when you see it from a different place in the planet, right? Oh, what, yeah. what do you feel that changing a scenery, changing a country did to help um, change your perspective on life, your life, all of that? It broadened my horizons by leaps and bounds. I had no concept how people think differently because I'd only ever been exposed to Canadian life in Toronto. And going to university and moving to the coast, that was something, but it was still within Canada. When we moved down to Mexico, um, I learned that there is a fierce loyalty to the country there and the people are so hardworking and uh, super particular about religion for example they're a very religious uh, community compared to where I'm from which isn't very religious at all so that's one thing but other things like the breadth of food that's available and the expectations I have or had about what Mexican food was versus what Mexican food is, is it it was a surprise to me. I probably shouldn't have been surprised, but I was. And also um, meeting people that I was in the minority um, and they, they would call us look like a, you know, us 
citizens are Canadians, but it was different being in the minority. All of a sudden I was very self-conscious mm-hmm. about, you know, being the, the one who was standing out and, um, you know, the kids would, would, would walk by and kind of look at us and, and point at us. And we had two dogs too. So we were considered a little bit eccentric, I think, and a little <laughs> bit weird. <laughs> so would you say that, you know, having that experience, um, it broadened you, but do you feel that um, changing out of that mindset of, I have to be the successful, I cannot be the this, that that was a good shift for you? Like, did it open you up or free you up from holding on to expectations of you? And and what are your expectations of yourself now? Oh, it's it's night and day. Like before my uh, my definition of success was centered around how high on the corporate ladder I was and how much money I was making. And now my idea of success is um, being happy, making a life that makes my husband and I both happy, giving back to the community. I have a lot more time now, so I can do that. I volunteer in a number of organizations, as, as does my husband. And so it has changed me profoundly, I would say. Not having the expectation that I'm going to have a typical job. I remember when I first quit working, the idea of um, being in a shopping mall or a grocery store on a Monday at 10 in the morning was the strangest feeling because, you know, for so many years, I was at work or school at that time. That was not a time that you're in a shopping mall. That was when you're on holiday, you're in a shopping mall. So it's a different it's a completely different mindset and it's very freeing and, and it doesn't pay as well <laughs> for sure. You know, I probably, I probably, as I say, sitting has become a problem because I, I sit for so, such long periods of time when I'm writing. writing. Yeah. You've, you know, it, it sounds like you have just um, taken so much from life experiences and you've been open to it. What would you say you're still rising up to? What is on the horizon for Joanne? What is on the horizon? I suppose I have considered, um, you know, what, what comes next. And I know that I'm going to continue to write and I have some books that I'm working on and, and outlining, but what comes next? Like, is there a point in time where I won't be writing or I won't be publishing what I write? So I have to give that some thought as I get older. I mean, how do you, I don't know how you, I don't know how you stop doing this, but at some point it's got to slow down for sure, because it's just all consuming. So I'm, you know, at some point I'm going to have to say, we've got to cut this down to half time anyway. And how do you, what do you give up to go down to half time? Mm-hmm. So I've been giving that some thought. I don't want to go there yet, but it's going to happen. You know, I can't, I can't keep this up forever. I like that. And, and I appreciate you sharing your views that, you know, the, that the identity is not necessarily um, linked to a job that the, you really came into identity of yourself and had that opportunity to now do something creative that you would not have had the time to do. Um, And I, I know this is a podcast, but I get to see you for our conversation and I can really see how you light up when you talk about writing and um 
the the vision you had and and that one dream of flying how that transformed everything so i'm very grateful for you um for sharing this how can listeners just learn more about you your books and and etc oh they can go to my website i have everything on there it's jpmcclainauthor.com and they can download the first chapters of all of the books on there and find my social media links and read a little bit about me and my you know, growing up, I have a little bit on there about my grandfather and my, my family. So just a little bit, not too much. So Joanne, who also just goes by her initials, it makes it easier for the internet search engines to find the correct person. But she really talks about going into something with the idea that she wanted to create something. And just having the idea and the belief that she would create these books regardless if someone was reading them, it puts her in a place that the outcome, the outcome of how many people are reading the books and the outcome of how many people are buying them is irrelevant for her need to create this. And the majority of the authors that I talk to really focus on this point. You have to create because you need to create. This is a desire for you. It's not just about the outcome because when you are really enjoying what you're doing, the outcome just improves anyway. And so if you know anyone who's really dabbling with the idea of writing a book or even putting their blogs online, anything like this, go ahead and share this podcast. Putting these words into the hands and ears of those that it can make a difference that's just priceless in itself. And I welcome you to follow me on intherising.com or in the rising podcast on Instagram. And I would look forward to hearing from you. You can email me anytime, Bettina at intherising.com. And I would also ask, my ask is that you leave a heartfelt review on this podcast. It does so much to boost the podcast and really put it out to someone who needs to hear it. And I am, again, thankful, thankful, thankful for your time today because that's that one resource we do not get back. And until next time, let's build one another up.